Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is David Bonagora. He is an adjunct professor at St. Joseph Seminary in New York. He has written numerous articles and is the author of several books, including Staying with the Catholic Church and Trusting God's Plan of Salvation. Today, we're going to talk about his recent article in the Catholic World Report called Can Catholicism Be Passed On Without Catholic Culture? And David, thanks for joining us today. Hello, Deacon Jeff. Thanks for having me. You know, it was interesting. You know, I saw that article and it, and it really struck home when you talk about, um, you know, in past errors or generations, how Catholicism was woven into really people's lives. It, you know, it was more than just going to church on Sunday. There were a lot of other activities, a lot of other things that they were doing, whether it was, you know, processions or, you know, meatless Fridays, penances, rosaries, bingo, all, you know, you list all these things. And when you think about it, it's, you know, it's really even those who are going to going to mass on a regular basis, they really have to make a prime effort to make that integral in, in their everyday lives, don't they? Exactly. The faith rests on a foundation, and it's easy to think of oh, when we teach the faith, it needs, there needs to be good catechesis, which of course is true. But living out the faith and, and passing on is more an action of something that it's caught rather than taught. I mean, the, the teaching is fundamental without question, but it's just the living out of faith. It's doing religious things or religious themed things that help faith grow. That's the, doing those things are really like the soil upon which our supernatural faith rests. So when we grow up with going to Stations of the Cross and Lent, or uh, you know, doing things that are just what family things are in the parish, whether it be playing bingo or other such events where the church and the faith are central to it, the belief in God flows from those natural activities, just like a flower grows from fertile soil. We get flash forward to our own day where we don't have those things anymore. It's much more difficult for faith to take root because there's nothing supporting the supernatural element. And it's a perfect example, analogy-wise, be speak of the sacraments, because the sacraments are physical signs of invisible grace. So in order to have the supernatural grace that God gives us, we need that physical realm in order to transmit that. Likewise, in order to pass on the faith, we need that something physical, tangible, and that would be the culture, a way of Catholic living that is distinct from the world's way of living. And it's through that that we realize that the faith is something that we not only just believe, but something that we do and we breathe and live kind of reminds you the definition of a virtue, right? A habitual and firm disposition to do good. It, it's something that's very intentional, right? And we have to keep doing over and over again so it becomes natural and part of our everyday lives. And bringing our Catholic culture, our Catholic life into a fuller embrace really involves somebody being very intentional about doing that. It's not going to happen accidentally. And you mentioned families, right? It really has to be at the family level and dads need to step up to the plate and make this part of our everyday lives in the homes, don't we? Well, definitely. And we have all sorts of studies that show how the fathers in particular are instrumental to the growth of faith in their children. If dad takes his faith seriously, the odds of his children taking the faith seriously are much higher than if 
just mom does or if neither mom nor dad takes the faith seriously. So passing that on is so essential. And again, it's something, as you said, intentional, something that we have to be, we as adults and fathers have to be conscious of the fact that, okay, our kids watch what we do. And this is to go back a minute ago, say it's, caught rather than taught. It's not necessarily the lesson on the Trinity or something like that that we teach our children that will mo- they'll most remember or be most impactful to them in their development and growth of faith. But it's rather it's stuff that we do and probably even as, as adults and fathers and things that we don't even realize that we're doing that they're observing. Things like you know how we conduct ourselves in church when we think nobody's looking or when we're at home or how are we praying? Things of that nature. Do we take those things seriously or are we just going through the motions? Kids can detect a phony from a mile away. So it's essential that dads, all parents, but dads in particular, be, as you said, intentional in the living out of their faith. Well, and especially we mentioned it before the show got started, right? All the challenges in the world today, right? All the attacks on family, all the attacks on marriage, on the patriarchy. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And if we're not intentional, right, we're going to be swept away in the current culture, which is a road to hell in a hurry. And so we really need to make sure that our faith is number one in our life, right? Faith, family, and then and, and then go down from there. But if faith isn't number one and we don't hold a high value to it, as, ju- as you just said, what do we th- why do we think our kids would? You mentioned in the article, 80 percent, right, of baptized Christians don't even, our Catholics don't even go to mass or are unchurched. And we see that, and it keeps getting worse, right? This isn't a trend that's getting better, is it? No, it's a trend that's that's stagnant or getting worse and not changing. So in the home, 100%, we have to be intentional. But I think it's also important in the realm of intentionality that we as families seek out other families for our children to share the faith with. And just not necessarily that they have to necessarily be faith-sharing, specifically faith-sharing events, but just to spend time with, for our children to spend time with other children who take their faith seriously, it makes a big difference. Because if we think about it, our children, even in in Catholic schools where attendance at Mass isn't very good, if you put, say, in a classroom of 20 students, one, how many of those are actually going to church every Sunday? Only a three or four, statistically speaking. So if that's the case, our children would, the temptation for to be like everyone else is always upon all of us, especially among our children. The, if they become self-conscious of the fact that, gee, you know, Billy and Sally are not going to church, why do I have to go to church? That can have a very detrimental effect despite on their faith, despite our best efforts that we as believing parents and practicing parents as do in the home. So it's important for them to get involved in other where the youth activities, wherever they may be, that are parish-based or spiritually based, and also with other families. Even again, even not necessarily doing religious things, but nevertheless, the kids are kids know these things. So they'll be aware of the fact that, oh gee, I like I like Johnny and Johnny and his family, they go to church every Sunday and they take their faith seriously too. And they say grace before meals. Oh, gee, maybe I'm not just such an oddball after all. Maybe this, there's something to this. I think that's important for helping to grow that culture of faith. It can't just be your family and my family and other families alone. We have to form some sort of a community. Culture is not just something that lives in a house, but something that lives in, in a community, in a broader swath of people living together. Well, in reading your article, that's the, that's the whole sense you get, right? This was more of a, you know, you lived in neighborhoods where there were Catholics around and people were 
were all participating, you know, just at, at my parish this past weekend, the Grand Night had to send out, I don't know how many emails just to get four nights to show up to hold the canopy during our Eucharistic procession. And it was down to the last minute. I mean, you would think people would be jumping all over themselves, right, to, to be able to do that. But it's almost like, well, you know what, that's going to take too much time out of my day. I don't know what the reasons were, but it's it's a challenge. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, we get we go to Mass, but we need to remind ourselves we get to go to Mass. It's not about having to go, which we do, obviously, but we get to go. This is a gift for us. I mean, it's, it doesn't, we're not doing anything for the Lord. This is all what he's doing for us, isn't it? Yes, I mean, and it's it's hard. But I, I tell, funny you mentioned the Corpus Christi procession. I live a stone's throw from Belmont Racetrack, and we had in my so my town. It's a big deal. The Belmont Stakes every year. We had in our parish two Corpus Christi processions, one on Saturday after the Saturday evening mass, and then also a second one on Sunday. Well, the Knights of Columbus, as you just said looked for volunteers to carry the canopy for the procession through town that we were going to have for the first time to taking this route ever. And I was the only one who responded. None of the other nights were available. They're celebrating the, the horses just as important, apparently, or even more important. So I enlisted my elder sons who are 18, 16 and 13 to help. And you should have seen the look on their faces to say this, to think that they were, Oh gee, I'm so glad that you're inviting me to do that. No, they were horrified. Like, why do I have to do this for? That this this extra bit of of faith, you know, wh- why? And my response was because it's, you know, how could I respond to that? What's the best thing I could say? And I said because it's a, a great gift to be able to walk with our Lord. I tried to give a religious response. You know, there's not necessarily a right answer to that question, but what what could show point to the reason or the the essence of of why we do this? It's you know, why we do anything is all for the glory of God and to be in a relationship with him that begins with in this life and continues and then is consummated ultimately in our death. So we need to be prepared for these things. But each day in each opportunity to spend time with the Lord is, is a gift and to try to impress that upon our children, even when they're not necessarily inclined to do so, such as my children on Saturday evening, that's part of also part of our job as fathers. And it's something that's, it takes a, it's a lot of doing. It's consistent work. It's tiring, but and it's constant. But something that we that's part of our vocation as baptized Catholics to make sure we pass on the faith, and that's our got to be our top priority in doing so, regardless of how tired we get in egging on our sometimes reluctant teenage children. Yeah, but that's the point, right? We, that's something we're called to do, and it, it may be uncomfortable for our kids, but it's something they're going to remember. Right. And, and when they're fathers and when they have families, right, they'll remember the efforts that were made and they'll get to decide whether they want to emulate them. Or not. But you talk also in the article, I mean, which I think segues perfectly in what you're talking about. You know, over the last two years of you teaching baptism prep, what have you seen in the families that are come to bringing their kids baptized to get baptized? It's uh, honestly, Jeff, it's rather depressing at sometimes that we get anywhere between four and ten couples every other month for this program. It's it's one hour. Most of the people don't go to church. They, you know, they're maybe relatively new to town, within relatively in the sense of a year or two or three, and they've never been inside the church. They don't know who the priests are. Or perhaps they have some sort of natal connection that they were they grew up here and then decide they want to have their child baptized here, but they come and they're unchurched. They don't know nothing about the faith. They we 
start in the in the uh, school hallway. We give them a tour of the, the school, and then we walk over to the church, walk into the church. Nobody genuflects. There's men wearing baseball caps still when they go inside. It's, it's as if they're they're clueless. And from an evangelization point of from a point of building Catholic culture, what? odds does, however great my presentation and the presentation my team is, what odds does that have of being successful as one hour with of religion within their very, very, and completely secular week? Uh, very, very small. It's like a drop in the water in the ocean. We have to try, and 100% every, I'm going to keep doing this and keep trying to make it better and keep trying to reach out to these people and try to make some sort of an impact. We have, by our Lord's command, we have to try, but nevertheless, the odds right now against us are not, are, are, are substantial. There's, you know, the people that don't understand the faith, they don't know the faith, they're just, frankly, they're just not interested, they just don't care. And trying to make them care, that's our goal, it's really a very challenging endeavor. When we have a culture that speaks about what faith is and cares about what faith is, it's easier to do because it's, well, okay, religion is part of the, God is part of the air we breathe. So it makes sense then that I have to get my child baptized. And I would we even want to get my child baptized. I want to learn about what that means and how I can be a good parent and godparent for my child. But when there's just, it's, everything's all secular all the time, passing on the and impressing the importance of faith is so much more difficult. Well, if you t talk about these families and you say, hey, you know, your kid's playing baseball or basketball, you know, you, you know, there's some kids, you know, there's that saying, you know, they live, breathe and eat whatever sport that they're doing, right? Because it's that important to them. Well, that's what our faith should be, right? And unfortunately, it's all these things that take place. Oh, you know, we have games on Sunday, so we can't go to mass. I mean, Mass is, you know, it's lucky if it's in the top 10 or if the faith is lucky if it's in the top 10 of some families. And that's really, um, you know, makes it no surprise that when you look at our culture, right, with depression, suicide, broken families, I mean, people are just unhappy. There's anger. Uh, there is a correlation there. When, when faith declines, all those other things are going to rise. You would think people hopefully will eventually wake up and say, you know what? We've been traveling down the wrong path. We need to we need to get serious about our faith. And let's I mean, that's really what we have to hope happens, don't we? Definitely. I mean, the, there's all sorts of statistics from social science and other endeavors that show that people who are religious have a happier lives on the on the natural order, on the secular level. Why? Because they have purpose. They have a reason for living. They have a context for understanding everything that goes on in the world, from you know, being stuck in traffic jams to all sorts of moral failings and moral issues that we see that make the newspapers and things of that nature. So religion gives so many benefits on just in the regular world, but that message just isn't being communicated, or if it, as much as we try to communicate it in religious circles, it's not permeating into the, the general culture of people who either, you know, say who go to Mass occasionally or would like to go to Mass, but Billy has a baseball game at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, so therefore they're just not going to go to Mass. It's very hard to make that case. I mean, the, those of us who believe, we know it, but it, uh, trying to get the people who are just enfolded in this secular world and don't even realize how suffocated they are by it, that is really the, the challenge of evangelization of our era. How do we make the faith interesting and relevant to, how do we make them care? That's really the, the challenge. If anyone has any answers, I'm, uh, I'm open for suggestions. We, uh, we have our ways 
through you know, writing and teaching, but it's still just sometimes it seems like we're talking to to brick walls sometimes. It's very depressing. It can be. It really is. And I think, you know, sometimes it's, the you know, how do you eat an elephant, right? Oh, my gosh, it's one bite at a time. And I think, you know, you were talking about it earlier. It's, you know what, we need to we need to share the faith. We need to be a model of that. But we need to start in our own families, because if we can't do it in our own families and be comfortable doing that, even with pushback, right, we all know that's going to happen. Then how do we think we're going to be successful out in the world? Right. I mean, we really have to embrace this gift of family that that the Lord has given many of us to be examples and to, and to wrap ourselves in the faith. You talk about meatless Fridays, right? I mean, we, we don't, we haven't eaten meat for years on Fridays and in this world, it's even, it's way more difficult. It's actually more of a sacrifice because everybody does it. I mean, I've been to the archbishop's function on a Friday at his house and he's serving meat. And so I'm thinking, Holy cow, this is uh, really the challenge, but, it's it's things we do as a family that are really important, isn't it? Definitely. I think what and back to what I mentioned before, but in a different context, it is important. I think for our children to understand that our beliefs, our faith, makes us different from ordinary people, and that's something that we should be proud of and grateful for. That they, these are, we don't earn these distinctions that are our faith. God, they're given to us by God, so we need to be not puffed up in pride about them, but grateful for them. But nevertheless, we, the kids need to know that, yeah, we have something that's different from everyone else. With it, and, that, and that's why we don't eat meat on Friday in our house, or that's why we, uh, we don't eat, no one's having any sweets in this house and, and during Lent, or that's why we're all going to go to the Stations of the Cross on Friday, or we're going to go all participate in the Eucharistic procession for Tuesday, and so on. And it's, it, I think kids will rally to the fact that to be different is okay if they have good reasons for seeing the, why they're different. And therefore, it's up to us as parents to be, you know, to inform ourselves, to, to read the right books, to follow the right podcasts and videos, to know the catechism, so that, or if we don't know it at hand, we can point our kids to the, to the right spot so that we can impress upon them that, okay, there's a reason why we're different. Here's what it is. And guess what? It's This reason is better than any reason you're going to find from any secular audience or any social media influencer who's telling you that life is all about you, 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 and there's no need for God or there's no need for serving of others. It's all about self-gratification. We can make that case, and I think we can do it without too much difficulty because it is a superior case. We can get our kids to buy in, and if we get our kids to buy in, they'll be more likely to stay in the faith and then pass it on, not just to their kids, but also to through their example and their influence to their peers. That's the important thing, because they're outnumbered as far as believers go in the sphere of you know, when they're at school or when they're on their sports teams. So they have, they have to be strong and aware of the fact that they're different, but they also proud of the fact that they're different, knowing that it's worth it to be different from those other kids. In the article, you talk about uh, the triangular garden. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit and what, and what that means and what that approach is. So there's three things I suggest in order to make, to just rebuild this Catholic culture, to rebuild some sort of fertile soil, a common way of Catholic living so that we can so the faith has something out of which it can grow. And those three things have to work in union and they have to be cognizant of each other. And that would be the family, the Catholic school, and the Catholic parish. All three, each in their own respective elements, 
each has a slightly different goal and orientation. But nevertheless, they all have to be aware of the, what I was just saying a moment ago, that we are outnumbered in the culture right now, that we have to be very intentional and strong on the fact that we are believers and we need to prop ourselves up and prop up others through our knowledge of the faith, through our practice of the faith, through our prayer, and through our support of each other. So schools need to not need not hesitate to teach the fact that, oh, here at a Catholic school, we do things differently. And not just, you know, say religion classes, but also things that are academic in nature. The way we teach our classes should be different from what's in public schools. Even if some of our books should be different from what's in our public schools. Likewise, the parish, you know, through homilies and other things, has to help make clear to, to families and parishioners that the you know the world is hostile to faith right now, and we need to be steadfast in faith. Use the title of my book, if you forgive my self promotion. There, we need to be steadfast in faith in the how we're living because there's people out to get us. And if we we want a perfect example, we can look over to L.A. and see that the, the most prominent franchise in sports is in the process of just digging its heels in to honor a group that is anti-religious in its face, anti-Catholic in its face, that they can, they can get away with this and do this, and they have no apology for it. That's appalling. But that can, that's, can teach us a lot of different lessons, especially for those people who are, made, are marginal in their faith, that they can realize that, hey, the, the, people don't like us. Why don't they like us? Well, maybe there's a reason for it, and what is it that I need to do better in order to stand up for this? Because I'm not going to sit around here and let my religion be insulted by a sports franchise or by a bunch of guys dressed in drag making fun of nuns. That's not something that I'm going to stand for. And it need not be necessarily, although it would be good to do, to boycott the Dodgers and write them letters, but just to to live out the faith and say, hey, wait a second, why do these people, why are they doing this? What do I have that they don't like? And when we realize that it's God that they don't like, Hmm. Why don't it God that I don't like? What? Well, I like God. I love God. God made me for Him. What do I need to do better in order to bring God into the world so that less people think like the sisters of perpetual indulgence think? So yeah. that's stuff that can. That's you know, a message that can be communicated from the pastor, whether it be from the pulpit or, or in the bulletins or in other parish events, but certainly prayer events too that you know, none of these things happen in a vacuum. All the things that we have through faith, they happen through prayer. That's the foundation. That's the touchstone. We need the Mass, first and foremost. We need adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. We need other common devotions, the Rosary Stations across other things. We need to be united to the Lord, and the way to do that is through prayer. So together, the fam- family's going to these events. Oh, there's going to be a Eucharist procession this weekend. Oh, we better go. Or there's going to be a May crowding. Oh, we better go. So family's going to this thing. Schools promoting these things. So the Triangular Garden of families, schools, Catholic schools, and Catholic parishes working in concert, they together can help rebuild something of a Catholic culture in a secular world so that the faith can take root in the souls of our children and then continue to last in this rather hostile culture in which we're living.
It kind of reminds you of the old saying, right? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you, right? I mean, yeah, if you good. walk, if we walk into people's homes, are there pictures of the Sacred Heart or the Immaculate Heart of Mary, right? Do we have that? Do we have these reminders? A holy water font, right? There's a lot of things we can do in our home that kind of brings it to the forefront and reminds us on a regular basis of of who we are and, and why we do what we do. And then, you, as you mentioned before, you know, in terms of baptism classes, you know, you have people coming in and you're trying to remind people one hour, a, you know, a, a week when you're doing the class or however frequently the class is or one hour a shot that you, oh, by the way, you're the primary teacher. Right. This is what baptism is all about. And a reminder that you receive these gifts, but you can't blame the church. You can't blame the school, although they need to participate. You are the primary teacher. And if people don't embrace that, it's a real challenge. We're down to about the last minute, minute and a half. David, how can people, you know, get your books? How, how can people find out what you're doing and, and keep abreast of your articles? Uh, um, usually can be usually can be found about once a month on the websites of the Catholic Thing and Catholic World Report. The easiest way to find me would be through my website www.davidgbonagoraJr. All oh, just one big word: b o n a g u r a Jr. dot com. And I also have a, a Twitter handle: David G Bonagura G a J because it's the R wouldn't fit back in the junior there. Uh, so you can find me through those, those places. And your books, uh, steadfast in faith, Catholicism and the challenges of secularism, staying with the Catholic church, trusting God's plan of salvation, right? They're all reminders of, Hey, whatever you do, don't get out of the boat, even though it's rocking, even though there's challenges, even within the church, stay in the boat, grow in your faith and keep, Keep your eyes on the prize and keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, right? Exactly. When we walk on the water, if we take our eyes off Christ, we sink. And what did Christ promise us? He didn't promise us roses and victories in this life. He promised us the cross, and it's the cross is the means to the resurrection. And fighting things like this difficult culture and this awful things like the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with the Dodgers, that's part of the cross. That's not easy for us to do, but nevertheless, that's how our Lord chooses to sanctify us. That's his means of crucifying us to the world so that we can share in the glory of Easter. There's no Easter without Good Friday, as unpleasant as Good Friday may be. Nevertheless, we have to, we have to do it. That's, that's what he asked. So just like he did it, we do it in imitation of him. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.